that's what's happening. Love talk radio. No, no. See, see, see what you're missing. Uh, uh, what you're missing. What you're missing, Scott. You're missing a lot of things that happened in the last three weeks. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it. Scream from the haters. Got a nice ring to it. I guess baby superhero need the same music. No one man to have all that power. The clock ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. One bleeds red, and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. Let's go! On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, with your host, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Sweet. Something god awful, but we did we did miss our free throws. We missed a few free throws in the first half, and 
And I guess that's what uh, that's how the, the history books are going to. No, be. no, 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 no. I disagree with. I, I, I'm going to disagree disagree with you immediately right there. You say you missed a bunch of free throws in the first half. Well, yeah, that made a little bit of a difference, but you were seven out of eight from the line in the second half. So where's the point differential come in there? This is the Red versus Blue Show. Hello. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. Mark Porwick, crown their ash, finished number seven in the Dynasty Football World Championship, will join us tonight. And he's put together a real awesome, like I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it yet. He put together a really awesome Dynasty startup preparation, how to win in the DFWC. If you're going to plop down the $299 to play in the Dynasty Football World Championship, he's put together some numbers, some statistics, some strategy advice that uh, we've posted over at the message board, and you'll want to check it out. We're going to talk to him tonight. It's, uh, it's, it's been uh, anticipated. We've wanted to get Mark on the show for quite some time and pick his brain about his strategy. We're also going to look at some Dynasty trades that have been going on. Mike, if you play Dynasty, this is a show you didn't want to miss because there's been a lot going on uh, for the Dynasty World Championship, Dynasty in general. Rookie drafts are going to happen in May. We've got the NFL draft happening in May. All of our startup drafts, we just released the draft slots for the DFWC this year, Mike. Uh, we, we did that earlier today, put them on the message board. So everybody's really excited. There's a buzz going on in the air, and it's not about UK Blue, I'll tell you that. It's, it's about fantasy football, dynasty fantasy football that's going on. But, by the way, congratulations to your cats. Well-earned and well-deserved victory. The floor is yours. Yeah, I'll tell you what, they, uh, you know, they've done well, and uh, I'm – Looking forward to Saturday. It's going to be a tough matchup against Wisconsin. I mean, all four teams uh, that are there uh, obviously deserve to be there. Uh, Wisconsin, Florida, uh, UConn. UConn's so freaking hot right now. I think Florida's honestly playing the worst out of the four coming in. Uh, but uh, on those uh, dynasty startups, uh, did that include the uh, the trade? You know, I'm, 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 I know it's not going to be that big of a deal, but uh, – uh, the the trade with uh, Deshaun Jackson. Oh, well, yeah, look, they're going to be able to draft Deshaun Jackson where they see fit. Obviously, it's not going to be as high as where he was going uh, in those right. in those, in the mock startup that we, we drafted. We, we had drafted him uh, before the trade. Deshaun Jackson went at, uh, let's see, Deshaun Jackson. Oh, yeah, he went at wide receiver 23 in the fourth round uh, behind such names as Victor Cruz, Pierre Garçon, and Justin Blackman. Uh, now, after this trade, I still think he's somewhere around there, but probably I would promote guys like T.Y. Hilton, maybe a spot ahead of him now. Uh, but really? yeah, he, his spot in dynasty, his spot in dynasty really doesn't change that much. But yeah, for redraft, it it takes a big hit. He was being drafted in the third round, the end of the third round, at about wide receiver eighteen or so in in uh, the redrafts. And now that stock is definitely going to drop because he is going to play second fiddle to Pierre Garcon as long as there's a healthy Pierre Garcon. Uh, but hey, well, Mike, what do you, you think, know, man? Toolbox, the, the sources at Toolbox were right. Deshaun Jackson is out. Uh, there were a lot, there were a couple people there that obviously, look, uh, didn't know us too well, and they were like, they thought we were trying to do it for media attention when we broke that news. And look, we've never, right. we don't break news. We don't uh, break. You can count on your hand on one finger how many times we break a a story when we hear something like that. And 
and uh, you know if we if we had if we did that repeatedly and you know just for attention I could totally get it but we obviously our inside source was correct and Djax was out in the mind of Chip Kelly he just had to get it done and he finally did get it done by just cutting him. Well, absolutely, and you know I know that redrafting uh, in uh, Dynasty League I mean it, it it's so different and it's so difficult actually it really is uh, but it's challenging and fun. At the same time, uh, you know, a guy. What does that do to uh, Darren Sproles? Does does that change his uh, value uh, as far as redrafting and dynasty? <clears throat> I mean, I know what it does to his redrafting overall, but redrafting and dynasty does that change uh, Darren Sproles' value? Well, he was part of a huge committee in New Orleans, right? Now he goes to a part of a Chip Kelly offense. So I think for redraft, his value definitely goes up. He's back into being prominent. He will be on the field quite a bit, whether they move him out wide quite a bit uh, and, and allow him to play as a wide receiver, which they will do. Uh, along with McCoy in the backfield, going to be a very dangerous team for Chip Kelly to have Sproles, Djax, Macklin, and Cooper, and Ertz out there at the same time. So definitely going to be fun to see that happen. Uh, for Dynasty, I don't think the value uh, changes that much. Uh, you know, Dynasty shouldn't be affected by a move like that too much, but definitely it's a little bit of a breath of fresh air for Darren Sproles going to uh, Philly. But let's talk about some of that news before we bring in Mark Porwitt. Mike Williams of Tampa was traded to the Bills, reunites with his college coach, uh, Doug Marone, uh, from the Bills, the same Doug Marone who was the head coach at Syracuse in 2009 when Williams played there. Before he quit the team in November, Williams did put up good numbers in 2010 and 2012 uh, for Tampa, but he has become more known for his bad attitude uh, than his good play on the field. But this may be a little bit of life into Mike Williams. Let's see what he can do with it, or it could just be kicking uh, Tampa Bay kicking the tire down the road. Which do you say? You know, I don't, I don't like it much. I, I think uh, Tampa Bay, uh, they kicked the tire down the road. Uh, Mike Williams, he's he's unbelievably talented, but uh, you know I, I'm not so sure this is going to be a great fit. EJ Manuel is, I mean, he might end up being the guy there uh, to throw to him, but uh, you know Mike Williams, it just seems like there's just one thing after another after another, and uh, you know you can burn me once, burn me twice, but man, just don't keep on burning me, and it seems like that's what he's done. Yeah, and his value wasn't very high to begin with. He was pretty much an afterthought. Uh, I did draft him, funny enough. I drafted him as wide receiver 93. Nobody wanted him at all, Mike. I drafted him in the 20th round of the DFWC mock draft that I participated in. The 20th round, I took Mike Williams. Nobody really wanted him, and you know, I really didn't either, but it was worth taking a flyer yeah. on because, hey, you have to remember, yeah. he, uh, and Henry Muto mentions it in the chat room. He says, in his 2011 startup, Mike Williams and Des Bryant both went in the second round, and that's funny. That's how far, you know, talent can take you up to the heights of a of a dynasty startup, but bad attitude well, can take you all the way out of the draft in a matter of two sure. years' time. Sure, absolutely. And you know what the the, the competition at the wide receiver position, uh, the way the NFL has evolved in, into such a uh, pass happy type of league. I mean, you better be on it. If you're a wide receiver, you better be on your game. I don't care if you're, uh, you know, uh, coming out this year, 2014 rookie rookie draft, or if you're in the uh, third, fourth year of your career, you better be on your game because that is the most 
the prize position in football right now, wide receiver. Yep. Uh, the Titans finally released running back Chris Johnson, Mike, and this is uh, it just became official. They've been saying they were going to do that uh, for for quite a while now, and and let's let's. I'm not as interested in the contract stuff as I am in the value of Chris Johnson. Now, everybody remembers what he did in the preseason. He broke the long run. Everybody raved about the offensive line upgrades in Tennessee, you know, the rookies that they drafted. They addressed the need, right? And he was being right. drafted at the end of the first, and uh, you know, by Nelson Souza and a lot of the high-stakes pros, they were drafting him mid-second, early to mid-second round. After we've seen 2013, you know, take, take hold, he was very disappointing. Now he's being drafted in the mid-fifth round as running back 21 off the board. That's where he's going in the uh, latest FFWC hardcore drafts. So That'll keep falling. Now, and, and, and now he's got to find a new home. The, the suitors, it sounds like, are between Atlanta and the Jets. Uh, outside shot of the Bills, and, and I've even heard the Niners, which really I, I don't know how that makes a lot of sense. But if you're if you're Chris Johnson, uh, Jets Falcons, uh, what would you what do you what do you think is going to happen here, Mike? Put on your crystal ball. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go uh, New York Jets. Uh, this guy uh, Ryan, he, he's trying to create something that's going to be positive and uh, going to make things happen for that team. Uh, I think he's going to New York Jets. Atlanta, it's yeah. gonna it's gonna be kind of filled back up or uh, backfield. I'm sorry, uh, it's gonna be a kind of full backfield there. Uh, but in New York, he can uh, he he can really uh, yeah. do some things there. So I I see him being a Jet. I'm calling the Jets on this one too, Mike. And I, and I think with uh, that offensive line, a little bit better than Tennessee's, little definitely more veteran leaders on that line. Uh, Michael Vick's gonna enjoy a little bit of a better offensive line. Uh, you, you brought in Decker. You need to get one of those stud tight ends maybe in the draft or maybe another cornerback to still, you know, you're reeling from the Revis and Cromartie days. You need to turn the page there and continue to, you know, fire some shots at some talented corners maybe in the draft. But they take a while to develop. But Chris Ivory and Chris Johnson could be a nice little thunder-lightning kind of backfield. You need to get Johnson out open in space. And, you know, he's not the 2,000-yard yeah. Johnson. But, you know, he was a, he's a 4-3, 4-2 record guy, at, you know, at 40 times. One of the fastest players in the league, so I I can I don't see think him he's done, working Scott. out in New York. No, no, no. I I don't think he's done. I, I mean, I really don't. I mean, I agree with you. I don't think he's two thousand yards and this and that. But uh, the the uh, the guy's not done. I mean, the guy can really play. And when you and, and like what you just said, when you get him in the open field, watch out. I mean, he's a beast. To, uh, he's so fast. So. Uh, any team that gets him, whether it be uh, the Jets or whoever, uh, I, I really think they've got about two years left of this guy, and they're going to enjoy every bit of it. Yeah, tonight we're going to bring in uh, Mark Porwit uh, from the Dynasty Football World Championship. Crown their ash on the message board. You've seen him around. He's, he's developed a, a real cool strategy guide for the startup, uh, startup drafters that are happening. It's a definite must-read. Uh, I was very impressed when I had a chance to sit down and take a look at this thing. Uh, we're gonna, he's going to be joining us in just a minute. Uh, Owen Daniels joined the Ravens. Again, something there. Guy's on the downside of his career, but he can flat out still play in this league, especially Dennis Pitta. They, they, they wanted the two-headed tight end role when they drafted Pitta and Dixon the same year that the Patriots drafted Gronkowski and Hernandez. Now, it worked out for the New wow. England Patriots for a short time, 
uh, and it didn't really work out for uh, the Ravens when they, uh, you know, but this does reunite Gary Kubiak and Owen Daniels. And this is, this is, uh, this is an opportunity for Daniels and Pitta to be very uh, back on the field together, uh, possibly, and to relieve each other and to give Dennis uh, or Joe Flacco that weapon that they need. You brought in Steve Smith. You, you've got Torrey Smith on the other side. You re-signed Jacoby Jones, which nobody thought was going to happen. And right. you do have backfield problems that may be bad. Uh, it sounds like the worst of it is over for Ray Rice, but there could still be something uh, pending, just maybe not as long-term as we once saw. But know, I... this, this team's, this team's kind of rounding up a little bit. Yeah, they are. They just need to continue to round up their defense. Just round And, uh, you know, I think their offense – you know, with or without Rice, I'll be honest with you, I think their offense is just going to be fine. They just need to shore up that defense. Uh, since we last joined us, there were a few other moves. We said MJD, he joined the Raiders on a three-year deal. That team is so crazy. James Jones, MJD, uh, and Matt Schaub. <laughs> it it's, it's, it's going to be it's a real interesting hodgepodge there you got going on. Uh, Steelers added some running back depth with LeGarrette Blunt. And Kenny Britt went to the Rams on a one-year deal. Which of those moves uh, seem like there's some fantasy potential there, Mike? Britt to the Rams, Steelers with LeGarrette Blunt, or Maurice Jones-Drew with the Raiders? You know, I think it's MJD to the Raiders. I'll be honest with you, uh, because I, I really, uh, I really think that uh, he's going to be able to fill in nicely. Uh, all three of those are, you know, they may be kind of in. Inter- intertwined uh, a little bit because, uh, you know, it's older uh, – well, I, I shouldn't say older guys, but it, it is. It's, it's older guys in the NFL uh, trying to find their place, uh, you know, to carry carry them through the next two or three years. But, uh, I don't – man, if MJD can uh, catch fire in Oakland, especially with a couple of wide receivers that they have, you never know. I mean, this team might win, I don't know, gosh, five games. <laughs> yeah, you know, look, uh, as much as I would like to root for something like that, I, I think the stats back this one up. I don't see MJD resurrecting his career here at this point in the game. Receptions, he was always a, a bowling ball. That kind of a strategy does definitely take its toll. Uh, he did have 43 receptions, and that was always his kind of a strong point, that he was a dual-threat kind of guy with a, you know, a bowling ball mentality for touchdowns but he only averaged 3.4 yards per carry, and I don't see him doing a whole lot better in Oakland for that. And so, you know, Rashad Jennings did fairly well for Oakland last year. Let's see what McFadden can do. But you got, I mean, with McFadden and MJD, Latavius Murray is the young stud. What? And it be interesting to hear uh, Mark. Let's go ahead and bring Mark Porwood on. Let me find out if uh, I can get him in Real on the quick. chat room. Yep. Real quick, what about Rashad in, uh, as a New York Giant? What about him? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, that's it, some. I don't even want to talk about that because I dropped him. I yeah. cut him in my uh, FFPC dynasty uh, when I had to cut down to fourteen, and I and I elicited opinions all over the dynasty expert radar out there, and they said I should, you know, cut Tate with Rashad nope. Jennings, you know, based on age and things of this nature, and all of a sudden that changes. Uh, Mark Porwood, uh, I hope you can hear us now. Mark, where would you yep. take Rashad Jennings in a rookie slash free agent draft? Where would he go in that draft? Okay, can you guys hear me? We can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, can hear sir. You. Okay, awesome. Um, 
I, I would say probably the mid-second round would be my mm. uh, place. What, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think that sounds wow. about. It depends on the. It depends on your roster uh, cut down rules. You know, obviously, like in FFPC, when you got to cut way down, yeah. uh, those those short term buy guys are a little bit more valuable. Uh, the larger your roster, you're you're wanting to use those for stash kind of roles for me. You know, so but uh, yeah, I think about them. I think he. I think he will probably in FFPC drafts. I think he'll go at the end of the first. To be honest with you, sometime in the first, because somebody's gonna look. Man, those are big leagues, and that's a lot of money, and you want to cash. And it and you know one cashing year can change up a whole lot of you know bad years. So you know, you Rashad Jennings could be an instant flex, uh, an every week flex type option for you, which is hard to get, and, and that'd be hard to turn away at the end of that first round. So I think he'll go with the, I think he'll go. We're in the pretty first close, round. yeah. Well, Mark, good to hear from you, man. Great, uh, glad you could. Thank be you on for having me on, guys. It's such you. A, yeah. Such an honor. Thank you, Scott and Mike. Really looking forward great. to this and. Hope we have some great things to talk about here. Sounds great, Mark. Yeah, I think we do. Uh, Mark, uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, and how you became into this whole obsession that we call Dynasty Fantasy (laughs) Football. I'm from um, Arlington Heights, Illinois, which is a suburb uh, northwest Mm -hmm. of Chicago. And I'm a relative newbie. I started out in fantasy football about seven years ago. But prior to that, in the 90s, early 90s, I was in an NBA fantasy uh, league, and that, that was just a ton of fun. Uh, we got busy with babies, so they kind of distracted me, but uh, now the, the, my kids are growing, and I have a chance to uh, use some of my free time in a more uh, creative way here. So I love fantasy football. I mean, I love sports. I, I'm, I'm a numbers kind of guy, and this is just a wonderful hobby to have. Um, I started out with Dynasty about five years ago, and um, you know I've been listening to this podcast for a few years. Have enjoyed the variety shows you call it, the <laughs> buzzometer as you call it. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, oh, really, yeah. Really enjoy all that. Well, Mark, you know, uh, uh, you go, ahead, know Mark, go ahead, Mike. No, go ahead, Scott. Well, no, I was just—I was just going to say, if you've been playing Dynasty for about five years, you were your first taste of Dynasty. You always remember your first Dynasty draft, and so was this the—was this like the No. Sean Moreno, uh, Beanie Wells, Crabtree year, or, or are we talking about before that? Um, so the my my first round pick was Andre Johnson, and okay. it was an unusual pick. And as we get into some of the strategies that I want to talk about, I'm always a contrarian. So mm-hmm. when people are going heavy RB, I went wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And you went and you went with a guy who had actually a, more years on him, and those those dynasty leagues are always dominated by youth. Yeah. Uh, and so that was probably what, what do you what do you say to those uh, those people? You know, you see all these guys. You see the guys that go super young, like I did in the in the mock uh, yeah. dynasty mock. And then you see the guys that balance that a little bit, and then the guys that are really trying to win now. You talked about that in your strategy guide. Yeah, so yeah, feel free to post that, and I'd love to get people's comments on it. But basically, as I, as I view strategies for Dynasty Draft, there's two really sound strategies. One is that win-tomorrow strategy where people are drafting youth, trading today's picks for tomorrow's picks. And I, and I have great respect for that strategy. I'm seeing, you know, some of the best teams being, best dynasty teams being built that way. 
you know, I, I have a hard time giving up and sacrificing today. So my strategy is more about winning today. But even though you're winning today, it's a dynasty league, and you need to balance age with youth. So um, that, that's been my approach. And what I like to do is I like to trade back. I didn't have a first-round pick. I traded those back, that back to gain mm-hmm. more picks between rounds two and six. So it's all about stocking up value is the approach. Yeah. And I and I wanted to I wanted to alert the I wanted to alert the listeners of that and to Mike who may not have seen it, but I pulled up your trades from that first year. And one of the the first move you made actually was uh in a in a different direction. You were actually going up to get that first rounder, right? You gave up a second, a fourth, and a sixth for a first, a seventh, and a ninth, but then you started saying, Oh, now I'm gonna start trading back and, and pulling pulling back on that a little bit. And you started you started gobbling up depth with the next couple of trades. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the first move may not indicate the end strategy. Mm-hmm. So for me, the end strategy was lining up as many draft picks as I could get between round mm-hmm. one and six. And the reason for that is I'm trying to score 2,500 points. My team needs to score 2,500 points over the whole 13-week season. Sorry, the, the yeah. 16-week season. Yep. No, and, so, and, and, well, and your, your analysis of, uh, of that in slide number four uh, was really alarming. I, I had never looked at it in that manner, but you, you grabbed uh, all of the league champs uh, in, yeah, the, so, in the leaderboard, and, and every one of them was, uh, if not most, you know, there were a couple there at the bottom that were, had won somehow without it. But for the most part, they had 2,500 points. So that was my strategy going into the draft is I knew I needed to draft a team that would score 25 points. And so what I wanted to – and then when you look at the breakout of that, so where am I going to get all those points from? The place kicker and uh, the team defense, maybe they could get 300. The QB is going to get you 400. But then you have eight other positions, whether it's uh, running back, wide receiver, or tight end, that need to get you 1,800 points. And it just sounds daunting. I mean, when you think about it, there were only 41 players in 2013 that scored 200 or more points. Mm -hmm. So the only way to get to those kind of players is to draft value, to to trade back, to maximize the amount of picks that you have between the first and the sixth round. And the reason I say that is that if you look at those 41 players, 61% of them, were drafted between round one and six, so almost okay. two thirds. In that Perfect. in that uh, slide, that Mike, if, if you haven't gotten a chance to look at that slide, do so tonight because you, will, you look at I that and, uh, and you're and you're really shocked that first of all, I was shocked that there were only 41 players. That right. number seemed ridiculously low to me, and then I'm like, well, sure enough, he's right on that, and I said, well. How does that look in the in the course of the first six rounds? And I was shocked, Mike, that in the first round there were landmines throughout last yep. year. Uh, well, Doug Martin, Ter- Trent Richardson, Spiller. Now Julio and Rogers and Foster were all due to injury, but six of the first round picks didn't score 200 points, Mike. Yeah, the, the one thing I want to bring up to Mark and 
And it sounds like to me that uh, you were way ahead of the game four or five years ago. When I say that, as far as uh, mm-hmm. not being too concerned about running backs, but right. being more concerned about getting your wide receivers, getting those wide receivers locked in. Because I've talked with Scott uh, on this show for, gosh, the last year. It's a wide receiver. It's a pass-happy game. The running back situation is very uh, depleted. So, uh, you know, you it sounds like you were way ahead of the game by get by drafting a lot of uh, wide receivers and getting their value for that. I mean, you're, you're so right. When you look at then the players who have scored 150 points or more, there are almost twice as many wide receivers as running backs. Mm. Yep. Yep. So and that, yeah, and that's a, uh, that, that, that's where the that's where your safety safety nets definitely come into play more so than the than the running back position. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, you can you can start hitting on those wide receivers. Mark Corwood is our guest, crown their ash, finished number seventh overall <laughs> in the first year of the DFWC. We'll see what he what you can do. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a shame when you're that close to that that money uh, at the end. But dynasty is more about long term, right? So yeah. Uh, yeah. The Dynasty King is the per, is the player that has the most yeah. points over three years. Now you've you've seen some of these teams. Do you feel like this team, as it's constructed, has a shot at that Dynasty King bonus? You know, I mean, the thing that's going to be really interesting are those players, uh, owners that are playing for tomorrow. The people mm-hmm. who have stockpiled four, five, six, seven first round picks. Mm-hmm. What are they going to look like this year? And uh, I fear them as competition. I think they're going to have some great teams out there. But yeah. this is good. They have a good draft. It's a good draft. I mean, yeah. this is going to be a great draft. I mean, this could be one of the best that we've seen in years. It is. I agree. Well, so that, that's the be. competition. It could be long term, but we all know that it takes rookie wide receivers. A long time to typically develop, not at least a, at least a two year, you know, two years, and it's, it's always been three. Now we have seen a lot of wide receivers coming together in year two, in this pass happy NFL that we, we we know and love now. But it's always the the rule of thumb has always been three. But usually, very rarely is the first year epic. Even no matter how good you are, the Calvins and you know uh, of the world didn't have blowing away type years in year one and and sometimes it just takes a while to 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 get really out there and usually the years that are good and they do blow you away they're kind they kind of come out of nowhere you remember eddie royal deshaun jackson those those rookies that just were like wow what kind of year did they have but it kind of came out of nowhere and it didn't last so rookie picks are always always fun here, here's my general strategy, Mark. Tell me what you think of this for, for sure. startup drafts. I like to keep it as simple as possible. I don't care about team construction. All I care about is trade value because in trade leagues, every pick can be traded. And so I look on the clock when I'm on the clock. All I care about is which pick offers me the most trade value at this given point in time. It seems rather – I'm simplifying it, but that's what I do with every pick. Yeah, I, I think I've heard you say that before, and I think that that's a really interesting – uh, concept as well i and and especially if um i mean the challenge is what it what my my research has shown here is that the older players they provide a lot of value, but the trade value is low right. so that's that's the tricky part here 
So yeah. if you look at last year's running back class, there were 16 running backs that scored 200 or more points. 13 of them were 25 years and older. So I, I still go by what I perceive to be, I rank my players, and I rank them in a dynasty fashion, but I tend to, to put more value on some of the older players versus some of the other dynasty players. Because I'm looking at three years. Um, and, and, but I, I hear what you're saying, that that draft value allows you to make moves that maybe I can't because I have a few older players on my team. And nobody ever wants those guys. You're exactly right. They just don't. They don't want to. You can't bargain with those guys. You are going to basically retire with those guys. Let me give you an example. Well, and I, and I've had this this happen to me with Priest Holmes. I mean, once I, I could, he's the type of guy that I could never let go. But I knew that 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 final yeah, year, that right. wall year was that that wall year was going to come, and I'm going to get stuck with him, and I'm not going to be able to trade him. And and I tried for, I don't know. Uh, a good six months to try to deal this guy before his real quote unquote final season happened. And nobody, I, I couldn't get the value that I wanted to get. And I, and I even kept going down and down and down still couldn't get it because nobody wants that as part of a, you know, uh, a, as part of their team, unless you find that rare team that's going for it, that doesn't have a running back in his one piece away right. and may be willing to part with something. And, yeah. and usually at that point, something is better than nothing. So the, the best time that I've seen to move those kind of players is at the end of the season, and it's that, that team that is in second or third place that wants that extra oomph to get over the top. That's when you can make a trade and get good value for those kind of players. Hey, Mark, do you use uh, age as a difference? I mean, just because, say, they're 25, 26 uh, at a running back position, I mean, let's face it, <laughs> you know, 25, 26, that's getting near – the twilight of their uh, career. Right. Do you would you would you generally say okay, even though the guy's healthy, he's 26 years old, he's doing great, but I got to get rid of this guy. Would yeah, do and, you use that? You know what I what I do is um, I'm I'm sorry, I'm such a numbers guy. So I have all these spreadsheets on every team that has the age of the player, and when I look at my team. I want to make sure, and I color code the ages. So if you're really old, you're orange. If you're, you know, middle in middle age, according to football terms, you're yellow, and then you're green if you're young. And I'm looking for balance because what you want to do is the the older players are productive, but you want to have people on your bench that are younger, that have that potential to replace that older player. But the mm-hmm. teams that go for all young players, yeah. that's real. They're not. They have no chance of getting to the target of 2,500 points for a whole season. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. They, they need to do something with that youth if they don't. I, and I've seen Cavalier King Charles do quite well with that, where he will he'll be willing to take those yeah. picks and trade those, yeah, and, and people will be willing to pay for those, especially prior right. to and right during before the draft time, because that's when those rookie pick values go sky high. See, that's what CKC is just, just so good at. He gets those picks when there's less value, and he trades them when they're high value. So uh, I'm an economics major, so I have a great appreciation for, for what <laughs> well, he's doing You know there. what, Mark? That you know, in, in in the world of economics and in the world of fantasy football, that's uh, it's it's tough to fine tune that, and you know, it's just it's hard to find that 
perfect balance that you want, and that's uh, that's awesome that uh, that you do as well as you do. Yeah, the the balance is is, but it's critical because you don't want to end up with a team. If you want to win today, which is my strategy, you need balance, and you got to fight for that balance. Right. So, be, okay, because I had a lot a lot of depth on my team, I was able in week eleven to trade some of that depth for Jamal Charles. So now I have a team that is probably too top-heavy. So now I have to balance it. So it's not just age. It's also having extra players on your bench for the depth because there's injuries, there's poor performance. Right. You know, who knows what could happen? Coaching changes. So depth is key, but when you're going for the championship, you've got to shift your balance to going after the top-heavy studs. Mark Poor, what's our guest uh, here on Red versus Blue? And uh, Mark, everybody remembers the the trades that they wish they could get back. I just mentioned one in the chat room. Uh, I traded away Shane Vereen over the summer for Ronnie uh-huh. Hillman. I think it was ba- back in April. And Henry Muto's talking about uh, his trade. He traded away Shorts and Latavius Murray for Demarco Murray the week before McFadden and MJD went to Oakland. <laughs> uh, What's a trade that sticks out to you uh, like a sore thumb, one of those you wish you had back? Yeah, so uh, this is um, 1.5 PPR tight end league. And uh, last year I traded Bernard for Reed and Brown. And, you know, I had a lot – I had depth on that team, but I have Gonzalez. So it's that – it's trying to balance the age at tight end that I became overly concerned with. And I think people, if they look at that trade today, it looks awful. So You uh, traded away little... Gio Bernard for Jordan Reed and Andre Donald Brown? Brown. Donald. Donald. Okay. Yeah, there's the a lot of Browns out there. If it, was, if it was Antonio Brown, I'm like, eh, not so bad. Yeah, that sounds good, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I had I had my knucklehead moments, no doubt about it. Uh. Hey, you know what? And even even the well, even the great DKC uh, does it does happen to him too. He gave me uh, Josh Gordon and Giovanni Bernard for Demarius Thomas in the preseason. And, wow! And I I was thrilled when I when I when I got that. And look, I missed the big guy. I missed Demarius, but the way Josh yeah. Gordon responded and the, and as oh my God. as Gio and I I kind of went got a two for one there. Great. Uh, how, uh, hey guys, how how is Emmanuel Sanders going to set up in a uh, redraft for a dynasty league? Mark, I I I would I'm thinking he's going to be a wide receiver three four. Really? Yeah, I would I would put him at solid three, but I you know, okay? I, I was just kind of curious. Yeah, I, I mean I, you know, he looks like uh, this could be a perfect spot for him and. Uh, you know, I mean, this guy could flourish, uh, especially with uh, Decker being gone. So uh, I don't, I don't know. I think it'd be a solid three. Yeah, I could see that. His value definitely shot up in the mock draft. He went as wide receiver sixty-one in the twelfth round. That was before the move to Denver. You would have to think that he would get put up there in the. I'm gonna I'm gonna put him up in the uh, wide receiver 25 range now. I mean, Vincent Jackson 
has some age on him, and he was going at wide receiver 24. Fitzgerald has some age on him. He was going at wide receiver 26. T.Y. Hilton, 25. Torrey Smith, 28. I mean, I think he's in that discussion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's replacing Decker, who was uh, number nine yeah. overall Huge bump. last year. Huge bump for Emmanuel Sanders, Mike. Uh we want to get Mark's opinion on some of the recent trades that have been going down, and I see one that he did as well. We're going to get to that one as well. Uh, let's start at the top here. League One, by the way, League One in the Dynasty Football World Championship, if you have not gotten your team yet, still some June and July drafts available. You can get them at DynastyKing.com. Uh, T. Will, Terrence Williams from Dallas uh, for Roddy White in a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. Now, I like to call this type of draft – uh, the young up-and-comer. You want that Terrence Williams guy, you're willing to give up a veteran and a pick. What do you think about that trade in particular and that strategy, Mark? Um, th- this one's really close. I mean, the way I analyze things is I'll, I'll look at a player, I'll assign you know, uh, like where I think they would go in a startup draft. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for, for T. Will. I did that for Roddy, and I took a guess at the second. And then because, you know, there's an open roster spot, there's some value there. So when I did my little analysis, that's really close. But then where I, where I side on is that pick in the second. This is going to be a very deep draft for rookies. And I, mm-hmm. I'd rather go with the white and the second-round pick, assuming it's a middle-round pick, because I think I have a great chance of getting someone as good as T. Will. Yeah, but uh, that's a, Mike. What do you what do you think, Mike? Because I, th- I the way I look at it is Roddy, a healthy Roddy, could outperform Terrence Williams for at least the next couple of years. By the time Roddy's ready to retire, quite possibly that rookie that you draft in that second round will be ready to go. Now, the odds of you hitting on that guy versus a Terrence Williams who's in a great spot sure. as a wide receiver too, that's a little more difficult. But what ha- what happens if Dallas drafts one of these stud wide receivers? In the first round, what happens to Terrence Williams then? Mike, go ahead. Yeah, they're they're, they're going to keep on drafting wide receivers. I mean, that's just uh, Jerry Jones. Uh, that's just his philosophy. It kind of reminds me of uh, old Al Davis. But uh, you know, it, it's it's going to be a situation to where uh, you 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 don't want to rely on a Terrence Williams right now. You you just can't do that. I mean, you just have to go with. Uh, Go with, go with the uh, older guy, go with the guts, and uh, see what happens. Mark, are you, a, are you a Bears fan living so close? Yes, I am. Yeah, but big time. Uh, I've lived in Chicago all my life. So tell us, tell us about Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, that's, <laughs> the guy, that's the guy everybody wants. If you have yeah. him anywhere, you get, you, get, you get a trade offer at least every day. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you think about this guy and his uh, long-term potential? He looks like just the next coming of Calvin here. He looks fabulous. I mean, I I, I could definitely early second round or, or early earlier pick. I could see his value going up. Uh, Marshall's getting on an age. Um, this offense is just fabulous. Um, really have high hopes for him and the Bears. Uh, Mark, season. yes, yes. I, I mean, I, you know, I I love Alshon Jeffrey. I love. The catches he made last year, they were unbelievable. Incredible. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, it was amazing. Um, 
What'd you think about uh, going on the other side of the ball real quick? Uh, what'd you think about Jared Allen going to Minnesota? I I, I love us getting him. You know, in fact, um, I get together with friends in the neighborhood and um, are going to talk a lot of Bears. And uh, there's mm-hmm. someone that knows really that's really tight with the Bears and kind of knows what's going on. And he mentioned that, that, you know, we picked up a couple of guys on the line. There's no way we're going to get Allen because I asked him about that. And uh, as it turns out, I'm so happy that we got him. I, I think we're retooling. Yep. Got to work on a secondary. We'd love to see a linebacker. I and mean, we have such a heritage and legacy of middle linebacker. I would love to see a, us getting a great linebacker as well. Yeah, I'm sorry. I misspoke as far as going to Minnesota. I meant uh, Chicago, but uh, that's great, man. Uh, that's going to uh, set you guys up, man. <laughs> I can't wait. we got some tough competition in those cheeseheads and uh, Vikes. They're going to be tough. And, and uh, Detroit, I think, with the new coach is going to be really tough, too. Mm. And I love Tate, Tate up there. That's going to be a big help for them, too. I've got a lot of guys oh, yeah. that are after Alshon Jeffrey, and they feel like you do, uh, but they won't take any uh, – they, they, they can't seem to get their hands on a Jeffrey. And they asked me uh, to ask you uh, what kind of a trade would get it done. And, I, and I'm looking at the draft board, and, I, and I'm saying to myself, would a Sammy Watkins or a Michael Floyd along with uh, a, a, not a draft pick – I need to get a, a real high upside guy like a – like a Christine Michael, uh, a Michael, yeah. uh, a Marcus Lattimore would that combination. So you have the Floyd, but you or the, or the Watkins, but you also have the high upside running back. Would something like that even pull you away from Jeffrey? You know, only if the composition of my team is, you know, if I'm too top heavy with studs, and because again, like you're talking about eleven players, we have to start in in, in DFWC. So um, I I believe in depth at the beginning of the season to get you into the playoff and then trading some of that depth towards the end to get the studs mm. to win, win the big money. So it really depends upon the composition of your team. But, yeah, I mean, I think you're on the lines of what it's going to take, assuming I'm too top-heavy in my composition. So it's all about yeah. always all about balance for me. I've, I've had guys say I offered the 1-1 one, one and, and I got turned. I'm like, well, that's not enough. You gotta, yeah, you gotta, it's not enough. <laughs> You've got to offer something more with what we saw from Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey Jeffrey not, was the human it, highlight reel last year. He had like four of the top ten plays on NFL.com uh, this year. It was just amazing, those catches. Some of those catches uh, were just crazy. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> League two, League two. Yeah. Uh, by the way, League one, 29 trades this year already. Unbelievable. Those guys wow. in League one, that is an active league. League two, 16 okay. trades, very active as well. Marshawn Lynch was traded in the 4-1 pick for Steven Jackson, no Sean Moreno, Jacquez Rogers, Jason Witten, and 211. I call this one one guy for depth in a pick. I mean, it's really a bunch of trash, in my opinion, for Marshawn Lynch. I mean, I don't all that depth. Now, Witten, granted, Witten could start and, and be a, a, a great serviceable tight end for you for the rest of the year, but all the rest of that, Steven Jackson, Moreno, Quiz, and the 211, what do, you, what do you think about that? You, you know, um, when, I, when I crunch the numbers on this, I, I actually, uh, the junk seems to have more value than, than Lynch. Oh, wow. I, 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 the, the, Lynch, you know, the Lynch thing is, I mean, he had so many carries. Yeah. I, I think he's, gonna, he's on his way down. Uh, he's been a stud for three years. He's one of 
five running backs that have consistently scored over 200 points over the last three years, so I have great respect for him. But mm-hmm. a lot of wear and tear. And uh, so, boss, I'm not going with him this year. Lee so, three. So if you, if oh, you had ahead, Lynch uh, right now, Mark, uh, if you had Lynch, uh, mm-hmm. it might be time to uh, make a little trade rope. Yeah, but you know what? Um, there is a lot of junk here. This is not the kind of trade I would make. I would I wouldn't mind making a two for one, but th- there's too much junk here. I think I think yeah. that the composition could have been a little bit better. But trading gotcha. him away, yeah. I'm not opposed to. Yeah, I want to I want to gotcha. get an Ellington or a Ball or a there you a, go. A, you know something in there with it. There's just not there's nothing there to help me. I mean, I'm really. Witten, okay, you know, I can see why somebody would want a Witten because he's been that so dependable for so many years. But, look, how many years does he have left? One, two? You know, the guy's been playing forever. Uh, league three, the league you're in, seven trades so far. Uh, big trade, and, and, and it happened for you today. So this is a pretty big deal where you're on Red yeah. vs. Blue, and a big trade went down. Mike, you ready for this? If you haven't seen this. Yes, I am. Mark <laughs> traded away Nick Foles, Jordy Nelson, and a first-round pick. And lands Demarius and the man we just mentioned, Jason Witten. Yeah, big time trade here, Mark. Yeah, I, you know it's it's actually the uh, round one for next from next year. Okay, so I don't like trading my picks away this early. What I usually like to do is if I'm in the running towards the end of the season, that's when I want to leverage those kind of picks and pick up that stud to win the day in the end. And it's, that was my strategy last year where I traded my number one and number two away to get Jamal Charles, and I, MJD was part of what I offered on Chris Ivory. And so this, this trade is, um, you know, uh, someone who needed a quarterback and uh, is kind of in a rebuilding mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, so um, I love Demarius Thomas. Um, as I mentioned I started out with no first-round drafts last year. Now I have two players on my starting lineup that would be considered first-round picks this year. So I have Jamal Charles and Demarius Mm -hmm. Thomas. Mm -hmm. So slowly but surely I'm building more of a top-heavy team, but because I'm all about balance, I, I, I still have to fix a couple of things. But Whitney's more of a balance and depth move sure uh mark uh so you trade away foes uh so who's your quarterbacks now breeze oh yeah and yeah and oh and um manuel 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 uh uh, okay ej manuel yeah yeah ej manuel so so you're gonna stick okay did you try to to put breeze in that before foals no, no, always falls. Um, okay. Breeze is the only quarterback over the last three years that has scored over 375 points per year. There's only yeah. one quarterback like him, and so I'm pretty attached to, to him, and I actually try to accumulate him in my other dynasty. So, so you basically, basically you've got Witten as uh, one and done. Yeah, I mean, I, I have uh, Vernon Davis as my other tight end. So, again, it's just these, that was a depth move. So mm-hmm. uh, I, now have, I have, now have the right depth at tight end, so I'm really happy about that. 
And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, there's a draft coming up, and I have a few picks. So uh, there, there's some youth coming onto my roster shortly. Good deal. Sounds great. <laughs> well, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta love having the big fella on your team. Now, don't I, oh, I yeah. will not be. I, I mean, the year that he's going to have is going to be absolutely phenomenal, especially uh, with Decker gone. You, you, right. you, no matter how comfortable Peyton gets with Sanders in the preseason, right. first of all, Peyton throws to whoever's open. It doesn't matter. He is not biased. He doesn't care who it is. If you're, you're going to get the ball if you're open. But he absolutely loves Demarius, and uh, wow, they're going to be real special this year. Has a chance to be number one. You can't really say that about Jordy. Now, you can say that Jordy with Rodgers has a chance to outperform Demarius, but Jordy doesn't have the chance to be number one like Demarius does. So exactly. the, ceiling is, the ceiling is higher for Demarius, but the floors are about the same. I would totally agree with you there, yes. Wow. So I, I'm, uh, Very I, cool. you know, I think it's going to be a trade that helps both teams. And, you know, there's some pain on both sides, but in the end, the, a, a trade where both parties can, can help each other, that, that works the best. And, and, I'm gonna, and we're going to do one more of these trades here before I let you go. League four, uh, a, a, another Nick Foles trade. It's a, it's a monster, Mike, and I can never pull these off. I just can never I, – I get these offers sometimes, and I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Some guy will throw in like seven of my guys and seven of his guys, and I'm like, really? Do you really think I'm going to accept this? You know, it's just so funny when you get those. But this trade is Foles, Corderell Patterson – Eifert and the 112, that's a bunch, for wow. Zach Stacy and Julio Jones. I mean, that is a monster, monster trade. I could not get my head around that at first. I mean, Julio and Patterson, Julio's more, you know, obviously mm-hmm. still has more value. Zach Stacy for Foles, Eifert, and the 112. Man, that's so big to even get my head around. Mm-hmm. Do, you ever, do you ever try these types of trades, Mark? What's your general thinking when, when, the, when the trades get this big? Um, I, I always go back to assigning a current dynasty value to each player and using a pick calculator to see if it remotely makes sense. And then from there, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, instincts. You know, where do you think this player's going, up or down? I mean, Julio Jones, I, I, I made a huge trade to get him in another dynasty league. And so it, it, he's a player that I, that I, that I like very much. Um, but there's some risk there. So. Yeah. I, I yep. kind of like the other side, uh, but again, it depends on the composition of, of the team, too. There, so, yeah, Mark, you know what? There's a whole lot of risk in this trade, uh, but you know it's a risk reward. Uh, the biggest risk in this trade is Cordero Patterson. Patterson mm-hmm. is the guy. He is it. He is the X factor in this entire trade. This guy can be something else. But it's a high risk, like you said. So, you know, I'm looking, uh, going into, uh, you know, July, August, I'm looking at drafting Cordero Patterson very high. But it it just depends on the situation that he's in and what happens. So it's that's a tough situation. Well, Well, you've got some new coaching up in Minnesota, and mm -hmm. he really came on at the end of the year. uh, I see – that his production is going to be much better this year versus last. Yeah, Mike Zimmer's uh, already. Yeah, he's already said it's going to happen. So we'll see. Yeah. And I like Mark. Cole. I trade him away. 
uh, Mark from Dynasty League Three in the Dynasty Football World Championship. You did make the uh, the championship chase there uh, of, in your final four teams. And Dave Strand, House of Orange, was really a powerhouse last year. Yeah. And then you had a huge uh, well week fourteen. You put out to the league, and then week fifteen, you just said forget about it and po- posted <laughs> two hundred sixteen points right about that week. That that that's when you knew you would you would wrap this baby up. Yeah, and again, I mean, the fact that I was able to get Charles in, in Week 11, and he was the one that scored, you know, a majority of those points for me and made a big difference for my playoff push. But, yeah, Dave has a great team and uh, still has a great team. And so uh, he had been top dog all along, and so I knew I had to do something towards the end of the season, and I was able to pull off that trade that really made a big difference getting Charles. Well, congratulations but, uh, to you. Good luck in uh, 2014. <laughs> any any final words here for uh, the Red vs. Blue uh, community here? No, it's just an honor to be here talking with everybody and looking at the chat room here. And uh, this is my inaugural launch on a podcast, and uh, just very grateful for the opportunity. Thank you, uh, Scott uh, and Mike. Oh, hey, we're, man, we're honor is all on, on this side, guys. Honors on this side, Mark. Thank you for being here, and uh, definitely good luck in 2014 and if uh we'll, we'll see you on the boards for sure sounds good thanks guys thank you mark and mike if you haven't had a chance to look at the dynasty startup strategy guy that he has you got to check it out it's just it's it's nice to see somebody that takes it uh takes it seriously like we do and then puts yeah. puts their thoughts onto paper for us i love seeing that you know that's that's where you you start to see man there are so many talented people and mark's definitely one of them uh that play this dynasty hobby of ours that you and i have been playing for quite some time, and you know we've uh, we've had a little bit of uh, g- good fortune our, our, ourselves in it. But look, not, nothing to this scale. The Dynasty he, World Championship, we've never seen anything like this before. Yeah, he's very articulate and uh, goes through it. Uh, you know, just but with a fine with a fine tooth comb, basically. You know, just it's, it, here's the way it is, and it's the way it's going to be, and this is my strategy, and I'm going to stick to it, and I love that yeah. way. Yeah, it's a fresh approach. It's definitely a fresh approach and a fresh perspective. Mike, uh, look, good luck to you and your Wildcats on Saturday. Got a tough game against the Badgers. If you pull that one off, yep. I think you're going to be facing a, a rematch, a third. What is that? A fourth time or a? You, you've played yeah, the, you've that played would be a fourth three time. times, and this would that be would the be fourth, fourth time. time. They almost got them on the third time, so you would think that the way they're rolling, uh, that uh, they can handle them. Wisconsin's going to be tough. Break, break down that game for us. You better watch UConn against uh, Florida. UConn beat them earlier in the year, and uh, I think they might do it again because the reason I say is UConn is hot right now. They've beaten a lot of good teams. Florida is the weakest team coming into the, into the Final Four, in my opinion. Well, when you have guards, uh, you can do a lot. I just I just can't get out of my head the fact that Louisville – destroyed UConn, what, th- three times this year as well, and that last, that one game by over 30 just wasn't even close. But uh, congratulations to the Cats. They earned it, and uh, we get to meet a whole new fresh slate of them next year. So good luck to you, my man. And uh, that's it. <laughs> All right, brother. That's all we got. All right. See you later. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your host, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.